Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know that you may know where you're going. I know that you've driven on that path a thousand times. You've gone from A to B without a problem every day of the week. But did you know that perhaps you aren't taking the most efficient route, the fastest route? Maybe there are new roads available that you didn't know you could take. This is why I like to use navigation units, and it's why it's actually important. Even when I leave work, I just type in my home address and I get started because I'm going to get assistance from traffic that's up ahead, road closures, and if there are new roads that actually can get me home faster, especially if there's an accident up ahead, how am I going to get around it? I don't have to think about that. So that's why I do encourage people to look at the entire range from Navman. Even if you think you know exactly where you're going, there's a pretty good chance there's a better way to get there. And that's something that Navman really does very well from their devices. But I do like navigation, but I also like dash cams. So what about a two-in-one? Well, the Navman MyCam GPS has a five-inch screen, which has all your navigation on the front, everything that you actually need to get from A to B and more. But on the back is a camera. And that camera is your dash cam recording everything that you're doing and hopefully even passing by all those people who have taken the wrong turn or who have sat in traffic and you're just going past that queue saying, I'm avoiding that. I've got a faster way to go. And that's because you've got a device from Navman. So do check out the entire range at navman.com.au. The MyCam GPS retails for $299. That's nothing for the dash cam and the navigation unit in one. Really? Try and find a better price on a unit that does all of those features and at such a premium quality as well. Head to nevman.com.au and check out their entire range. And as always, if you have any questions about anything in their range, please let me know because there's a pretty good chance I've tested them. I think I've tested every single product that they do have on sale. Let's get on with the show. Rasembrasma Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello everybody, thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Whenever it is that you are listening to this podcast, welcome. I have been awake since 3 a.m., if not earlier, and I'm telling you, it's getting harder to do these events. Yes, we had the Apple event this morning, and I say the Apple event because it's the one that really matters, the one that people certainly talk about the most. It's a new iPhone, new Apple Watch, new AirPods. Those three things probably being the most common in most people's arsenal because guess what? When you wake up in the morning, you're checking your phone, you're wearing your smartwatch, and you're about to put your AirPods on to go for a walk. This is probably their biggest event of the year, and I got up at the crack of dawn to make sure we could cover it. And that's why I am recording this with a can of Coke in my hand, because I need the caffeine, and I feel like if I just keep drinking coffee, it's a bad thing. So I mix it up between double espressos and cans of Coke, because it maybe just feels like if I ingest the caffeine differently, it will trigger something else. I'm trying to avoid a heart attack. Let's get on with what's happened today. Now, first and foremost, let me paint you a picture. This was an in-person event. I obviously was not there, but this was an in-person event. They flew people from around the world to come into the Steve Jobs Theater and see and witness all of the announcements that were being made. What was interesting was that Tim Cook walked out what looked like in a daggy tracksuit, maybe just got out of bed, walked out on stage and said, hey guys, good to see you all. Thanks for coming. Now please sit and watch the entire presentation, which was pre-recorded. Meaning that me at home saw the same thing that everybody who flew all the way to Cupertino for. Obviously, the biggest benefit for actually being there in person is that after the event, they got hands-on with these devices. But I just thought it was fascinating that 
they would fly everybody there and they couldn't be bothered to get on stage and actually present it live themselves? Are they that nervous about tripping up or a product demonstration failing or the changeover between people speaking is too difficult? I thought that was crazy. You're in person. Let's get back to normal. Let's move away from these scripted, fabricated presentations. But we saw a movie-esque design of, a, of an event. And honestly, it's so well produced that some of the scenes almost didn't look real. What was even more frustrating, and, and you really should spend some time watching these events back if you can, what was more frustrating was that they changed speakers for every three sentences. It's almost like they sat in a room and the politics at Apple are so severe that they went, well, I probably shouldn't say that line. Maybe get this product manager or this engineer or this marketer to talk about it. It was unbelievable. I constantly kept hearing, and now we'll pass it over to Jeff, and now we'll pass it over to Deidre, and now we'll pass it over to Norman. And it was like, just get on with it. Tim, you could read it all, buddy. You've got time. It's pre-recorded. Take your time. Put it together. Anyway, we move on. Now, as I said, we've got three big um, products to talk about. I'm going to have a real sippy sip, and then we're going to get straight into it. There's nothing else we're talking about today. It's all Apple. I apologize to anti-Apple people, um, but we need to cover this one properly to make sure that if you are planning on a pre-order or even walking into the store and buying it on launch day, I want to make sure you know at least as much as possible today before you go and start talking to your wife or your partner about getting budget approval to spend the big bucks. So let's get into it. Now, if you do watch the Apple event on replay, it will feel like a safety-focused event. It really felt like Apple wanted to emphasize how they could save your life. They started off with the Apple Watch, and it ran through uh, a dozen people telling their story about how the Apple Watch has saved their life, whether that's with fall detection, whether that's with um, detecting a fibril tribulation, all these different things that they were saying, if I didn't have the Apple Watch, I'd be dead. Basically, that was the that was the speech that almost all of them said um, that they had no they noticed something, but then their Apple Watch detected the problem and they, their life was saved or they were lost and they managed to use their Apple Watch to get emergency assistance or they fell over but their phone wasn't near them so they could use their watch with fall detection and they repeated and repeated and repeated and it's like I get it if you're not wearing an Apple Watch pretty good chance you'll die before somebody who does have one. Um, they then decided to announce the Series Eight. The Apple Watch Series 8 um, looks just like the Series 7. Not a huge change from a design point of view. Um, they're still sticking with the rectangle. I kind of thought they might have done a bit of a round watch face, maybe. Uh, but no, I think they're pretty much stuck on their design with the little scroll wheel on the side. I think they call it a digital crown. And the Series 8, um, given it does look exactly the same, it does, however, add a temperature sensor. The temperature sensor is going to be logging your wrist temperature multiple times per second. Like it literally is going to be paying attention to that. And actually the example they gave was more around women's health, um, around uh, you know period tracking, ovulation and things like that. Because what we all learned throughout that presentation, if you, if you watched it, is that there are moments when it is the best time to be ovulating. And then if you're hoping to have babies, then it makes a difference and it kind of gives you alerts on either when was a good time to have been active, when was not a good time. Um, I, I, I don't know a lot of this stuff and I'm not a doctor and I, I just take it for what they've said. Okay, if your skin temperature somehow correlates to those motions and those feelings, um, great. That's great. And I'm sure that women will be excited about that feature that may help them get pregnant. Um, that's, that's good. The other thing that they have added is crash detection. 
And yeah, I'm, I'm moving on from that one real quick. Crash detection um, basically is very simple and it makes so much sense that they should have this. And I think, you know, smartphones are getting better at um, doing this as well. But the Apple Watch will not just detect when you've, you know, fallen over with fall detection. Crash detection is actually, you know, you've been driving, you've had a side impact, a front impact collision, and it will actually start to call emergency services if it seems that happened because you may not have fallen down but maybe you've had a, a sudden impact in a vehicle and it wants to try and detect that and then make a call on that it will detect up to 256 g's of of force which is fascinating that it's almost effectively then got a g sensor built in they're saying it's going to be somewhat limited to passenger suv and utes um so i guess if you're driving a big rig or other vehicles it mustn't feel the impact as much perhaps and it can't actually detect it properly so that was something that they did talk about they also mentioned um that that whole collision thing as in front side and rollover detection they didn't mention rear collisions and i thought that was interesting because you know we know so many accidents do happen from the from the back and i'm just surprised they didn't specifically call that out i'm hoping it still does support you know rear collisions as well because that is a big problem now beyond that 18-hour battery life, which is great. Um, they're also adding a low power mode uh, to the Apple Watch, and that will help you get to 36 hours. They, when you do have that mode on, it kills the always-on display. It kills things like workout detection. Effectively, those sensors that would be monitoring you when you don't necessarily have to have it monitoring you, when you just want to get your notifications and continue that kind of um, habit, you can actually get up to 36 hours now with low power mode and that's good now that feature will actually be coming to series 4 upwards so if you do have a recent apple watch you will get that that feature coming that's not just specific to the series 8 um the other thing they mentioned as well is that if you are somebody who uses your um, apple watch as a cellular apple watch meaning you can take calls on it and things like that without your iphone uh, it will now be able to roam internationally as well so you could be able to still take international calls on your watch if you really are into that sort of thing. Uh, you can order that one today, uh, available from September 16th. So eight days, depending on when you're listening to this, to, to go ahead and start using it. They also mentioned the uh, Apple Watch SE. It's coming in some new colors and tones, but terribly uninspiring, not interesting to me uh, at all. It's just a, a basic watch. Um, so you can go ahead and check that out. Now, the Apple Watch SE starts at $399. Um, this is Australian dollars for everybody listening. And the Series 8 starts at 629. Uh, so, you know, we're not talking about cheap smartwatches, especially at 629. And when you do consider what advantages it does add, I think if you've got a Apple Watch, you know, Series 5 or around there, you probably wouldn't be considering upgrading. This is just great for people who are looking at buying their first Apple Watch. And the Series 8 would make sense to be the one that they go for. Or are you more adventurous than that? Do you think that your Apple Watch has not been rugged enough or adventurous enough to cope with the way that you train or the exercise that you do? This was Apple's something new, and it's the Apple Watch Ultra. One second. Now, the Apple Watch Ultra is that kind of device that is going to put a big finger up at the likes of Garmin. Garmin who make those very specific adventurous watches, Sunto. These guys who are focused on the extreme runners, those who like to go hiking for an entire day or a week, um, the Apple Watch Ultra is going to punch them all directly in the face. And it's a big problem for those brands to now think about, well, what is going to be their point of difference against the Apple Watch now that this Ultra exists? Now, also cheeky, Apple 
Ultra is a Samsung term. I mean, we've been hearing Ultra with Samsung for quite some time. Interesting to see Apple borrow that. I thought they would just call it the Pro. But maybe because it's so adventurous, Ultra is the more rad word to use. The Ultra has a titanium case. It's strong as old boots. 49 millimeter on the screen size now. It is visibly different. When you do look at it, it's got a different ridge to it. It's actually got a secondary or a third button, I should call, and it's called an action button. And the action button is also painted international orange. International orange, I thought, was actually patented by Victorinox, um, you know, the Swiss, Swiss Army Knife Company. I thought international orange was their color. Turns out it's not. I had to Google and double check. But that button, the action button, International Orange, it's an important thing to know. Um, but 49 millimeter, this does make it a bigger watch. It does really put it in that right space against the Garmin's and others from the size point of view because it can, it's easier to look at. Now, the shape is slightly different, still a rectangular. But if you saw someone look at their Apple Watch Ultra, you would know just by a glance that it's an Apple Watch Ultra compared to the Series 8, 7, 6, whatever. Now, inside the Apple Watch Ultra, is louder speakers. So if you are someone who does like to take calls on your watch, and this is kind of weird, but if you're, I don't know, hiking the Himalayans and you get a phone call, why would you reach for your pocket to take the call? Nope, you just do it on your watch because it's now got louder speakers to be able to be heard. Uh, so you can be standing in the wilderness taking a call and blaring it out to the rest of nature. It's cellular only. So you will only be able to get this in one version in that sense that it will only have a uh, SIM card version, for example. I don't want to say SIM card, but you know what I mean. And there's no just dedicated GPS only model. You'll get 36 hours of battery immediately. So no need for low power mode to actually get that 36 hours. Given the larger device, it can store the larger battery. Um, and then you've got 60 hours with some optimization settings that you can do as well. So again, if you're taking this on a, on a longer trip, this is effectively a weekend um, battery life, which is fantastic. Going camping for a weekend, going to be super adventurous. That's the kind of, um, I keep saying super adventurous. You, you, you think of your own activities, whatever it is. Um, you can now get 60 hours with optimized settings as well. It's got new watch faces that actually suit and work with um, this new Ultra. And that's been interesting to note. And, and Apple did this a couple of times, even through the Series 8 um, presentation as well, where they were talking about, you know, new features. And it was like, oh, there's a new watch face. It's a watch face. Like, that's not a feature. That's a picture. It's a picture that you download and it's got metrics on it. Like, that's not a thing. But when you've got the Ultra, there's a specific watch face that you can have on that watch, which you cannot have on those other ones. Same thing with they've got a new Hermes or Hermes edition for luxury lovers. Um, that comes with a, a watch face which has a horse head on it. That's exclusive. Congratulations to the Hermes people who are going to spend thousands of dollars on their watch to get a horse head as their watch face. Now, moving forward, when we continue about the, the Apple Watch Ultra, the watch bands are the big point of difference here in that they will have bands that make sure they won't come off with all these things that you're doing, whether it's scuba diving, uh, whether it's hiking, whether it's a marathon, there's different watch bands to suit those occasions. And they've really thought long and hard about making sure that's the case. And you're going to want to have that especially when you start hearing about the price of this as well. So the watch bands will be different. I'm not sure if the clasp itself will be different, meaning you couldn't put, say, an Ultra watch band onto a, a Watch Series 8. I'm not sure of that yet, or even vice versa. We'll have to find out. It's also got the backtrack feature. So if you've gone for a long hike, you don't really know exactly where you've gone. Well, with waypoints and things like that, you'll easily find your way back. 
Samsung actually have this in the Watch 5 Pro. So I feel like Samsung may have anticipated Apple was working on something like this and tried to call them out early with the Watch 5 Pro. How they actually compare against each other is something that someone who's very adventurous will have to actually try and figure out and compare. They talked about water resistance. They started throwing out other measures which scuba divers use, E5, 13319, uh, WR100 water resistance. And what was even more interesting is they started to deep in, dig into scuba diving. And I had some dude on there who was talking about scuba diving. And the watch will actually start to count your depth as you scuba dive. So you'll be able to look at your Apple Watch and you'll be able to see your depth, even your where your position from the boat and things like that. Like some really good intelligence to keep people safe in one sense, but also to make the experience more trackable, loggable, and then something you can look back on in the future as well. So I thought that was really, really smart. That was just the scuba diving example. You know there's going to be so much more than that as well. So very interesting. And yes, Garmin, I've, I've got in my notes here, Garmin officially now, uh, you know, eshing themselves, if you know what I'm saying. Now, the Apple Watch Ultra 49mm will be available in Australia September 23rd. You have to wait a little bit longer for that one. Um, and that's probably a good thing. So you can save up your money. You'll need $1,299 or $799 in the United States. Um, but just a very impressive watch. Probably the thing that uh, people will continue to talk about the most uh, after this event. Because beyond that, we've now got the AirPods. And then we'll talk about the iPhone 14. So let's get on with the AirPods Pro 2. Now, for me, when the AirPods Pro 2 demonstration started or the segment started, uh, again, we're throwing between different speakers. No one wants to say too much about the product in case it says, you know, something that someone else wanted to say. But um, I think somebody named Mary Ann Rao came on and there was another lady in yellow and there was a lot of demonstrations happening. Um, but the AirPods Pro 2 is what we really are here for. And first things first, the AirPods Pro 2 has, oh, sorry, AirPods Pro has a shorter stem than the AirPods. AirPods Pro 2 looks exactly the same as the AirPods Pro 1. So from a design point of view, from the outside, if you're wearing the AirPods Pro 2 and somebody else wearing the AirPods Pro 1, no one's going to know the difference. They look identical. The stem is still there. And in a world of no stemmed buds, Apple's sticking with something here. Maybe this is their way of just sticking with what they think works. And there could be some good reasons for that. Now, inside the AirPods Pro 2, however, are differences. And this is where it does set it apart from the one. You have to have something. It has a H2 chip instead of the H1 chip. Isn't that a good thing? Of course it is. They're saying they've got new drivers in there. They can do better spatial audio and even do improved active noise cancellation. Now, what's interesting here is they recommend that you actually create your own sound profile. And they're doing that with different tuning levels, but also adding in extra small ear tips. So... Clearly, they've noticed that the AirPods Pro or even AirPods don't fit every ear. And you can scan every Apple employee's ear until the cows come home, but you're going to find people who are just a little bit more unique. So you've got multiple ear tips inside the AirPods Pro 2 box to make sure you do get that perfect fit. And I thought that was interesting. They also then talked about adaptive transparency. And they're saying that these AirPods Pro 2 are checking their environment 48,000 times per second. Who counted that? Who counted that? So. These things are listening for the ambient environment that you're in to do adaptive transparency. And what that means is you might be walking along and you like the way that things are sounding, but then you're approaching a dude who's jackhammering on the pavement. Well, to make sure you can still listen to your content and not hear the jackhammering, 
adaptive transparency will start to close that noise out. And then when it's gone, maybe bring you back to the way you had it before. So some interesting changes in that sense. I actually was surprised that they didn't start to talk about what um, buds like Sony do, where if you start talking while you're listening to music, that it pauses your music because it assumes you're having a conversation with someone. It doesn't have that feature yet. So I'm kind of surprised they didn't completely catch up with their competitors. Um, they have swipe controls now. So on the actual stems themselves used to be more of a force touch. Now it's got swipe control. So things like volume and so on, you can now control that from the AirPods Pro 2. You've got six hours of listening time between charges and then a total of 30 hours with the case. I was surprised again, because I think, you know, if I look about the Jab the Jabbers and others, I'm pretty sure they're in the seven or eight hours in terms of usage already. So fascinating. The case itself has been boosted and it's a little bit more intelligent now you can actually use it for precision finding so where the heck are my airpods as long as the airpods are inside the case you better use precision finding just like you would with an apple air tag and try and find your airpods pro 2 they've also got a louder speaker now as well so you better effectively ring your um, airpods case and that means that it will just be a lot louder and you'll easily find it if you do have an apple watch you'll be able to charge your airpods with the Apple Watch charger, that little round cylinder thing, yeah, you can actually put that on top of that as well to get a charge and not just on a Qi wireless charger. That's just a good handy thing to have, which makes sense. It still has the lightning connector as well. You know what? Would have been a really good time, Apple, to change that one to USB-C and probably not have too many people notice, but your call. And, um, and look, it's going to be available September 23rd. The other thing I did notice, which I liked, is you can now get obviously engraving on these things as well, but they're now allowing you to do Memoji engraving. So if you've got a Memoji on your iPhone that you love, you think it looks just like you, um, then you'll actually be able to have that on the case itself. So pretty cool. I think, again, no one's throwing out the AirPods Pro to upgrade to this, but with most of these types of devices, you've got to experience it to really judge it. And I'm hoping that we do get to test the AirPods Pro, put it up against the likes of the Pixel Buds Pro, um, the latest from Samsung, the Buds 2 Pro. I feel like we're saying Pro a lot. Um, maybe we should all look for another name. Maybe they should call these ones the Ultra as well. But these will be 399 when they do um, come to market. Again, go out and get these ones. If you're in the market for a pair of new Buds, you've got an iPhone, it seems to be that perfect little marriage that you could be having. So, should we do iPhone? Now, when it comes to the iPhone 14, this part of the whole event was kind of fascinating and a real letdown to begin with. And I'll tell you why. When they said, we're introducing the iPhone 14, boom, B-roll starting to play, overlay footage. I thought they were accidentally or someone pressed the wrong button and was dead set playing the iPhone 13 B-roll. Side by side, if somebody gets an iPhone 13 and puts it next to an iPhone 14, there aren't any differences. Visually, they are identical. 6.1 inch display. Um, starting price, I'll get into that in a second. But 6.1 inch display, they've got the notch at the top, the buttons are the same. They've got the cameras laid out in the same way with the two diagonal rear cameras. And it just starts to make you wonder, okay, what's actually happened here? So then we started to get into some of the details. So when I'm rolling in, and I encourage you to do this if you're in the market for a new iPhone today as well, go into the Apple uh, website and hit the compare button when you're looking at the iPhones and put the iPhone 13 and the iPhone 14 side by side. There's a couple of things you can run through. First of all, the starting price is now $100 difference. So it's $100 more for the iPhone 14. And there's a couple of reasons why that could be. And it might be worth that extra $100. You'll decide at the end. So 6.1 inch display as standard. There's no mini anymore. The iPhone 13 
Mini is not being carried over. There's no iPhone 14 Mini. There is crash detection now built into the iPhone 14, which is not available on the previous model. As I spoke about already, like in the Apple Watch, it will also be in the new iPhone as well. It has an extra one hour of battery life. When they talk about video playback time, it has 20 hours compared to 19. It has the exact same A15 Bionic chip, same neural engine, same amount of cores, CPUs or GPUs, still has Face ID, still has 5G. Nothing has changed in that sense so far. All we've talked about here is that crash detection. So again, this linkage back to the start of the event where it was about Apple saving lives, it's like that's all they cared about this year and that's all it felt like they cared about. And we'll get into more of that in a second as well. Beyond that, it's the same thing. 128 gigs base storage, no expandable, obviously. Goes up to 512 and then when you get into the Pro, we'll talk about where it does go. But you get up to 512 in the base model iPhone 14. Um, and then beyond that, things look much the same. When we even talk about the dimensions of the product, the height, the width, the depth, the weight, there is one gram of difference. It's lost a gram of weight somehow through all of this experience. It's quite scary to look at this and think, holy moly, what's actually changed? Now, some of the things that have changed is in the rear camera. There is a focal point change in terms of aperture. Aperture, my gosh, aperture has changed very, very, very slightly from 1.6 to 1.5. There is same with image stabilization. The optical zoom is all still there. The one thing that they have added is what they're now calling a photonic engine, which they say will make colors look even more realistic. Good. I hope that's the case. Night mode is still built into the to phones as well. So we're not seeing huge changes at this level. At this level, it's very much the same. Now, one thing that was interesting, and you'll probably see videos of this as well, is action mode. Now, I don't know if this is Apple taking a swing at GoPro here, but action mode is when you're taking videos, we've already had um, optical image, image stabilization, which really means that when you're walking and taking a video, it doesn't necessarily look like you're taking thud, thud, thud. It comes up in quite smooth. But with action mode, they're saying it's going to get even smoother. And when we looked at the videos that they started sharing in the presentation, it was scary smooth, like GoPro-esque on a gimbal type smooth. So if that's the case, and if it actually works out in the real world to be that good, you could imagine people strapping these to their bikes, well, I don't know, their helmets, and using this as a potential GoPro type device. It's really that impressive when they started demonstrating action mode. And again, that is a point of difference between the iPhone 14 to the 13. So it is something to consider if that's the kind of content that you might be um, filming. So that's that's an important piece. They did talk about um, the, the front-facing camera having autofocus, and I actually think that was on the Pro, and I'm not going to touch on that here because I don't think it was the base model. So a spoiler alert, there's something else coming in the Pro that was, is exciting. Beyond all of that, it's much of a muchness. I hope you enjoyed that update because that's really as far as it goes. It was kind of like sitting there going, this is a problem. This is a problem. Now, I have confirming autofocus is on the front-facing camera in the 14. And that just means that if you've got multiple people in the shot, it will get them in frame and then you know create that sort of um, blurred background, whatever it is that you're looking for in a front-facing um, camera. What was also interesting throughout the presentation, they made a point that it has 5G, literally made a point of it. And trust me, everybody, their previous model did too. And the one before that, 5G is no longer a talking point. They wasted time even saying that in the first place. One of the big changes, however, is the removal of the SIM card tray. Now, let me be very clear. This is US models only. There will be no SIM card tray on iPhones, iPhone 14s sold in the United States. You'll be using an eSIM 
to get your phone activated and things like that or to put your number in there and so on. They're saying it's going to make things easier. I think it's actually a good benefit from a um, space-saving point of view. As I mentioned, they lost a gram, so that's a pretty big point of difference straight away. But it means that they can do something else with that space that's consumed on the device. So going with an eSIM makes sense. I think the timing is right. Not many people are actually taking their SIM cards out of their phones, not like someone like me. Um, so I, th- I don't think this is a bad thing. This is not for Australia, but you would have to expect that the iPhone 15 will probably bring it to Australia without a SIM card tray. So just be wary of that. Now, beyond that, they're going to implement what I think is probably the thing that they're going to talk about the most going forward, and it's satellite mode. If you are in an emergency situation, again, you've gone hiking. This is Apple really caring about you as they started with the whole event. If you're going hiking, you're out and about, you don't have any mobile reception. Satellite mode will allow you to make emergency communications. And to a point that you can actually go through a questionnaire type on your device to talk about whether you're hurt, who are you with? What services do you have? Um, what, what do you have with you? What can you see? To really give information to first responders. This is probably game changing. And we, we talked about satellite connectivity for T-Mobile customers with Starlink a couple of weeks ago. That's to eliminate black spots and would probably uh, solve this problem as well. But this is Apple trying to tackle this problem on the device and not necessarily with a relationship through a telco. So I think this is a fascinating move. Um, by Apple to do this. And I think it's a great move at the same time because it shows, again, how much they do care for their users. What was most interesting, though, was that it doesn't necessarily mean that you can make calls and text your wife that you're going to be home late because you've broke your leg. It's not that. It's just about emergency services. But what they did say is that it's going to be a subscription. It's going to be a subscription. It's free for the first two years. So if you have the iPhone 14, and again, limited to US and Canada at this stage, you're in the US and Canada, you've got this iPhone, and it's got this feature. Two weeks after it expires, you go hiking, you don't have that feature. I'm kind of surprised by that. And I don't know what the price of the subscription will be after that two-year period. But if you're caring about your customers, why would you take that feature away? Why is that feature not always on the device? That just seems really bizarre to me. Um, and I didn't expect that they would finish the, the amazing a presentation about the emergency services with, you know, free for two years. Free for two years, go away, make it free for life because it's my life we're talking about here. So yeah, good to care about your people, but don't take away features like emergency services that could really potentially save a life. Imagine dying because your plan had expired. Like that's not why it's the case, but it's obviously something that would have helped save your life. And it's kind of crazy that would make, anyway. So that's going to be available on all new iPhone 14 models. So I won't talk about that again when we talk about the Pro and Pro Max. Give me a real quick second to have a sip. Now, I'm so glad that they didn't stop there because, you know, when you announce the iPhone 14 and the iPhone 14 Plus, I don't know if I mentioned this, the iPhone 14 Plus is a 6.7 inch display. So you've got two choices, no mini. Um, but when you announce the those two devices, which are so underwhelming that their biggest talking point is actually what they do to care about you from a um, emergency services point of view or crash detection. That's pretty scary in terms of you wanting to actually sell them to people who don't necessarily think they'll be in that kind of situation ever. So gladly or fortunately, they announced the iPhone Pro and Pro Max. Um, And this was good. This was helpful. But we started to get into some of the detail and it was okay. Let's let's see what actually we're going to see here. Again, this device looks very, very similar. However, there are some slight differences. 
And I'm going to go again back to the website, the Apple website to do my side by sides. So iPhone 13 Pro, iPhone 14 Pro, iPhone 14 Pro Max. Let's put them all side by side. I can't find the iPhone 13 Pro for sale through Apple's website anymore. So they're purposely removing that away. But the iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max is obviously there. So good for them. The same size screen as the iPhone 13 Pro, 6.1. They have added an always-on display inside the new 14, which is going to be interesting. They've taken away the notch. Now, the notch that sits on top of the iPhone has been not entirely removed, but it's been slimmed down. And not to something that looks like a pill or a lozenge or a capsule or anything else that we've been calling these cameras that sort of sit inside the display. Apple is calling it a dynamic island. Now, that sounds like something out of an episode of Lost, but the dynamic island is the nicest way that I've seen someone talk about a problem on a, on a new device ever. I mean, it dead set is one of the best ways of them calling out a flaw in their design and making it functional. If you, if you think about that, most people are going to start complaining about the fact that it still has such a large piece of the screen used for the camera and other sensors. But Apple has gone into a way that they've made it a functional part of the phone by showing notifications and alerts and features around that notch and making the notch feel like it's actually part of the software, not necessarily part of the hardware. What a smart move by a company that just knows how to market anything so, so well. They've changed the name by calling it Dynamic Island. They've made it a feature inside the operating system and they've effectively started to use it in a way that will make it feel like it should be there. And then if it wasn't there, it would be a weird thing. Very smart move by Apple. It's called the Dynamic Island. They're calling it a new way to interact with iPhone. I think it's absolutely genius. Now, this still has the crash detection as you would expect from the um, previous conversations that we've been having. You've then got another big change, and it's actually going to be around the camera system. Now, the rear cameras have been upgraded, and that's a really nice thing to actually see. Yes, the array looks the same. It's got the three um, little camera lenses in the back. They actually look huge now. They look much bigger than they used to be, but I can't tell without being hands-on. But we don't have a 12-megapixel main camera anymore. It's now a 48 megapixel main camera and that's great news for anyone who's fascinated with photography loves taking great photos it also means that you're able to do a better digital zoom without the image turning to garbage and that's a great thing obviously it does have optical zoom as well it's got the ultra wide and the telephoto lens as well but knowing that you've got the extra megapixels to play with means that you can do more with it and they demonstrated examples of that you take a normal photo but then you can crop the wazoo out of it and still get a really good good quality photo because you've got the pixels to play with you've got that front facing camera with the autofocus i think that's a really good feature that people will notice uh, up front it's got the same six times optical zoom range it's got an extra one hour battery on top of previous model from last year. And this one gets the new chip. So as I mentioned, the iPhone 14 gets the A15, which is the same chip as last year's phone. This one, the Pro, gets the A16, which is an improvement on last year's model. Now, that's the big piece to talk about. There's the processor and there's the rear camera. Beyond that, you still get your face ID as standard. There's no fingerprint sensor anywhere to be seen. You've still got... 5G, I can't believe we still have to talk about that. Um, and it's made of surgical grade steel, just like the 13 was as well. This one will come in a 120 gig 
128 gig version as base storage and just like the previous generation goes all the way up to one terabyte so you do still have all that functionality beyond that it's becoming much of a muchness um, this is something that we're looking at really closely to try and pick and find the differences uh, from a dimensions point of view it's all much the same you really do need to look closely to understand what the difference is between last year's model and this year's not that people are upgrading from last year's model but i guess if you bought last year's phone you don't have to be upset. The camera on the back would probably be the main thing to be considering or to talk about. But beyond that, it's really just looking at this going very incremental, super, super incremental changes. And they do have the 6.7 inch, the Pro Max. Again, the biggest differences there is the screen size, uh, no additional functionality on top of it beyond that. Okay, so you don't have to worry too much in that sense. I'm looking through the rest of this just to make sure I haven't missed anything. I'm going to go back to my notes to make sure, again, I haven't missed anything. Oh, there was one other thing that was fascinating to me. They talked about, there's, there's two things. They talked about the display, and I, I love that um, the Apple display is gorgeous. It's an OLED, especially on the Pro model. It's, it's a gorgeous screen. The new model can actually do refresh rates all the way down to one hertz. So either when you have low power, um, being able to really turn down that refresh rate to almost make it operate like a calculator, that will be good for battery life, especially in those situations where you just can't get to a charger, something really handy. When they talked about the zoom functionality, they started showing, and I don't know what, why this was a big thing, but maybe someone with an iPhone can tell me, you had 0.5, which is good for ultra wide. You had one times, which is your standard photo, and they had three times zoom. They've now added two times. So you can go 0.5, 1, 2, and 3. And that was the feature, that you could two times zoom or three times zoom. Who cares? Who was stuck in the middle? Who was stuck in the middle thinking, damn, I wish I could just zoom two times. That extra times is too many. What happened? I don't know what happened. So that's a strange one. They made a big deal about the two times zoom. Um, they said that has better low light photography, as you'd expect from a, uh, a bigger camera lens on the back. And pricing has remained unchanged. So unchanged. So that's a good news. Um, available September 16th. Now I say pricing has remained unchanged. Doesn't mean it's cheap. Okay. 1749 for the iPhone 14 Pro, 1899 for the Pro Max. So these aren't cheap phones in any shape or form, but they do come in a space black, a silver, a gold, and a deep purple. I think that deep purple actually looks kind of cool. It's a little bit lavender-esque, but that's okay. Now, the other part too is you can get it in that one terabyte storage. Um, it will actually cost you $2,769 to have it with one terabyte of storage. Three grand for the iPhone could be a bit much to pay, but we know it starts for much, much less than that. Okay, so you don't need to spend three grand, but crikey Moses, when I did that quick click, that price jumped up super, super high. So that was the Apple event. Let me know what you think. Are you going to be running out to buy anything? Have I missed anything? Is there a feature that I should have spoken about, but I didn't? Um, you let me know. And I'm just fascinated by this. I'm, I think Apple has done a great job in telling us that they care. I think Apple has done a great job in ensuring that we know that if we're lost in the wilderness, that there's a pretty good chance they're going to be able to help us, provided you've invested in all the Apple products and subscriptions. But for me, the person who is thinking about upgrading their phone is looking at this presentation today and potentially is not impressed. And I don't blame them for that because yes, crash detection is great, but that's not something that sells devices. It's something that's probably becoming to be expected. So for me, that better camera on the back of the Pro is a draw card, but could they not have added a better camera to the base model and made that one shine a little bit more because I think that's where most people enter into Apple is the iPhone 14 base model. 
the iPhone Pro is expensive. So I think what we needed to see was more oomph on the iPhone 14 using last year's processor, you know, really not changing anything to do with design or, or, or features. It felt a little bit lackluster. Now, no foldables, no underscreen fingerprint sensors, uh, a lot of things that you would probably have had on a wish list. It's not there. No VR headset. We keep talking about that from Apple. No word about that. It really just felt like they did just the bare minimum to keep themselves relevant, to keep Apple fans excited. I did a bit of a poll on my Instagram. 47% of those said that nothing today interested them. That's a big number. I know it's a very small sample size. It's just who follows me on Instagram. But that immediate reaction from people as they've followed through my story and heard the updates, that to me tells me that something didn't happen properly today. And we'll wait and see. Obviously, they'll probably sell 50 billion, 60 jillion of these things. I get it. But I just think that if you're someone who's focused on longevity, you want to make sure you get the most out of your devices. I don't think the iPhone 14 was a good enough upgrade for people to have not then thought, you know what, I'm going to go out and get the iPhone 13 because what's the difference? And I think that's a problem for Apple. So people may go for the cheaper models of the phones now this year and maybe next year, those who were hoping to upgrade may just wait for the 15. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. I'm going to have another coffee or a Coke or something else to keep me going. Maybe just a bag of lollies. I'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye.